Welcome to our episode on what we've called Smother Church. Now, we're not getting to that point where we defined what the Smother Church is. Not at this time. Last time, the last episode that we had, we were defining the church. We took the words out of Matthew 16 that Jesus spoke when he said these words, I will build my church. I think the most important factor of that statement is that the church is Christ's. It's not yours. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to any particular denomination. No, Christ is the head of the church and we are subject to him. But moving right along, we're going to talk about a very serious aspect. Of course, it's all serious. Anything that we teach or draw from the Word of God is serious. But today we're going to talk about how the church can become defiled. Last time we were together, we were defining the church. Now we're going to focus on defiling the church. How is that possible? Well, sadly, very possible. And it's happening sometimes before our very eyes. Sometimes we've become so accustomed to the fact that we are living so beneath the standard that Christ has declared to be the standard for the church that we just become accustomed to it. And we succumb to this sense of just being very second-rate and not enjoying the great blessing and the power that should be not only resident within the church, but flowing from it. Well, let's talk a little bit about Galatians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia because they had a real problem. They had a very deep problem of defilement. Yes, their gospel had come in power and blessing and the whole of Galatia, which is part of Turkey today, had opened their hearts to the Lord and to the gospel and received him with great joy. But the Apostle Paul writes this letter of reproof and he says here in chapter 1 and verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're moving away to a different gospel. A different gospel. Well, you see, he is very, very careful to use these words under the unction of the Holy Spirit. He says, you were called in the grace of Christ. What does that actually mean? Well, the grace of God is God's unmerited favour. You can't earn grace. You don't deserve grace. None of us do. Romans 3.23 tells us very clearly, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so everything that has come to us, this great conviction of sin, the drawing of the Spirit of God, the understanding of the love of God, 
the call of God upon us all to come through repentance to faith in Christ. This is the grace of God. God didn't cast us aside. God didn't pass us by. God didn't say, well, you've blown it. You've made these mistakes. You've fallen into darkness. I'm going to wash my hands of you. No, he has loved us like he loved Israel. Jeremiah 31 verse 2, with an everlasting love. And with that love, he drew us by the Spirit of God. And of course, in the upper room, Jesus said to the disciples, when the Spirit comes, he will draw you. He will reveal me to you. He will speak to you. He will bring great conviction into your hearts and you'll become convinced of the truth and you'll respond accordingly and wonderful things will happen in your heart. In fact, you'll be born again as he promised that dear little man in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, who came by night. He said, you must be born again. You've got to have a crisis experience with the Spirit of God. And that's how this glorious gospel is revealed to us, by the Spirit of God. And then it's not only revealed to us, it's revealed within us. The wonderful change that comes into our lives when the gospel is activated by the Spirit of God and we respond accordingly. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, the new has come. And that's your testimony. And that's mine. And that all came by grace. That came by the mercy and the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his Son, verse 17, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the gospel. And so this is the grace of the gospel. But the Galatians had watered that down and they had added to the gospel. They believed, yes, that Christ is Saviour, but then you must add to your life good works to save yourself or keep yourself saved so that you have the favour of God. And so... Paul, writing to them, and we've read it before, we'll read it again, says, I marvel that you are turning away from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert or defile the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to say something very amazing. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You know, there are many in the false cults that say, ah, we have the truth. We have the truth and know it's the truth because an angel appeared and our leader 
had this wonderful, absolutely miraculous encounter with an angel. Well, if the gospel doesn't measure up to the gospel of Christ, that pure gospel, that only gospel, then it doesn't matter if there was a so-called miraculous manifestation of an angelic being. It's not of God. And it goes on to say here in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8, even if we change and become darkened and preach another gospel or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Well, there is that sad possibility that you can embrace a form of the gospel, but a defiled, a perverted gospel. And this is so sad because the Apostle Paul goes again to define the gospel in verses 11 right through to about verse 16. Let's just listen to what he says. I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former lifestyle or conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And after three years, as God had dealt with him and revealed to him the magnitude of the gospel and weaned him off and drew him out of Judaism, into this wonderful freedom of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, he then went up and sought Peter and remained with him for 15 days. Yes, this wonderful happening that happened to Paul has in one way or another similarly happened to us all. We were confronted with the glorious gospel of Jesus but we must never let it doctrinally be defiled. It mustn't be perverted. And there are people that are deliberately peddling a gospel and selling a gospel, preaching a gospel, declaring a gospel that is not the gospel of God. Of recent times, just in the last three weeks, I was uh, verbally attacked by a man in full-time ministry of another denomination who said that my gospel was a gospel of a fabrication of the evangelical church and that he felt that it was not only wrong, but it was cruel and harsh and hard 
calling people to repentance and telling them that to reject the gospel of Jesus would mean a life in darkness and in fact alienation from God forever. Well, of course, that's what the Bible says. And he said, no, he would not and could not accept that. And yet he preaches a gospel of total inclusion, which means that God just looks away from the sin and the sins of mankind and says, I don't care about that. You're mine. Don't worry about this ultra-evangelicalism where you've got to repent, where you've got to turn from sin. You can be just as you are, and I'll take you unto myself. That's a gospel of allowance. It's a gospel that is truly perverted and defiling. And that's a gospel that will take people to a lost eternity. But then the Bible talks further about other ways of defiling the gospel of the Lord Jesus. One of them is when our life doesn't measure up to the dictates and the words or the testimony of the gospel. If we are living a life that is contrary to what God has said we should be living. Now, how could we be doing that? Well, morally, perhaps, where we're called to holiness, we're called to go on to maturity in God and to allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives. And I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm talking about maturing in God, in faith, in understanding, serving the Lord and pursuing Him and allowing the Spirit of God to move in our lives so that we have the fruit of His working within us according to Galatians chapter 5. But you know, and I know that there are many times we meet people who are troublesome and undermining, and they're in the church. And Paul confronted this. And after he'd written that monumental work, the book of Romans, and outlined and declared with such clarity and depth, and yet with such simplicity, the magnitude of the gospel, he talks about from chapter 12 to chapter 16, how it's got to have a practical outworking in our lives. To him that stole, let him steal no more. Things like that. There's got to be a change. And I'm reminded of that beautiful hymn we used to sing so lustily and so powerfully because it was our testimony. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Now, in the last chapter of Romans, Paul talks about a lot of practical things. And one of them is this. Greet one another with a holy embrace. Or the New King James Version and the Old King James Version says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Then he goes on to say with great gravity, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Who are we to avoid? We are to avoid those who 
cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which we've learned and we're to avoid them. In other words, their doctrine is such that there is this allowance to live any way we choose to live, even if it's not the way that Jesus wants us to live. And he goes on to say here, very, very plainly, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. By smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. And sadly, over the years, we've seen people creep into churches and, and begin to somehow get into the fabric of the church. You feel that they love the Lord, you embrace them, you accept them, you even let them take maybe positions of, of uh, authority within the church. Maybe they're gifted, maybe they're talented, and so they are able to enjoy that, and everybody admires them. And then they begin a whispering campaign. They begin to undermine. And you know, the warning sign is that they will begin to, in a very sweet and plausible way, say, you know, we love the church, but we don't think it's being run the way it should. And little by little, they begin to undermine and it erodes the confidence of the believer in the local church. And thus, defilement comes in, fragmentation. Now, you know, in Psalm 133, the Bible says how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the beautiful sacred oil that just flowed down from the head onto the beard and over the garments of Aaron, the high priest. And there, in that unity, the Lord maintains and commands blessing. But well, we want blessing in the church, don't we? We want God's blessing. We want the presence of God. We want the liberty, the joy of the Lord. We want God to be glorified and the gospel to be preached. And we want to see souls saved and we want to see backsliders restored. But when there's this fermenting of disunity, there's defilement and there is unhappiness. Divisions begin to appear, offences and it's contrary to the doctrine which we have learned, Romans 16, 17. And so we are to avoid these people. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own desires. They're building for themselves a platform of prominence. And they want to somehow, some way, sway people to be followers of themselves. And with smooth words and flattering speech, they do deceive the hearts of the simple. But he goes on to say here, this is a work of Satan. And 
The Bible says here, Paul speaking says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So he must have been in the midst of this kind of subterfuge, this this terrible battle of trying to bring disunity into the local church. Friends, I want to say to you that the defilement of the church is not only doctrinal, but it can be with people who deliberately are undermining the work of God in the church, by the Spirit, through the church, and our testimony becomes grossly, grossly improper. And people say, well, if that's the church, I'm not going to go anymore. And many people have been stumbled over the years by the inconsistency between what we preach and how we live. So we become very, very petty. Well, we don't want to become people that are defiling the church, do we? We want to build one another up in our most holy faith. And then on the other hand, there are those that are very pious. While there are some, as we've just said, that are petty and undermining, there are those that are very pious. And they begin to speak in such a way where they, they begin to say, oh, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do something else. And the church becomes a center of legalism. And the people that are finding it hard or, or maybe in some way, shape or form have maybe, just maybe, they're battling with sin and they have personal problems. And in comes this person with this strong-armed approach and they're made to feel that they're less, and we're all less than perfect, but they're made to feel doubly so. And really the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that there are those who are very, very unfair to those that are in the body of Christ. The Bible says they are those that are bringing a tremendous sense of you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do something else. And the Bible says, no, we need to love one another with a pure heart, fervently. We need to comfort those that are feeble-minded. We need to support the weak. We need very, very much to be kind and loving and building one another up in our most holy faith. I remember when... uh, I was a young man, I was very young, I was a teenager, and they came into our lovely church, which had such a a sense of the presence of God, a man and his family, and they were very like this. They were very legalistic. And they would say things from the public uh, domain, that's the platform, they'd get up and they'd say things, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that, and why are you doing this? And it was very condemnatory. And it left you feeling that you were just absolutely of no consequence, of no use, of no worth. And it really crushed many believers. And the Bible says we're to 
be very wary of these people who preach, do not touch, do not do this, do not do that, do not do something else. And while it's very necessary to cleanse ourselves from anything that is unclean and improper, it's got to come from our heart, not because we are being pounded, not because we are being hounded, not because we are being in some way criticized and dominated by a strong human spirit. I've found over the years when the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin or a failing that I have in my life, that he's gentle. Oh yes, he's authoritative and he's powerful and he's demanding, but he's gracious and he's tender. And remember Isaiah said, a bruised reed he will not crush and smoking flax he will not put out. In other words, if you're failing, he won't stamp on you. But legalism and legalists will do just that. They will come in with great strength, great authority and condemn and violate the love of God. And people on the outside looking in say, oh, they are a tough lot. And they won't be able to detect the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to be pious. Holiness, true holiness, is born by the love of God and the love for God and the love for the things of God. And that's a beautiful church who just lives to serve and to worship God. I'm glad I belong to a local church that seeks to be like that. And so we don't want a church that's defiled by wrong doctrine. We don't want to be in a church that's defiled by pettiness and undermining and division. And we don't want to be in a church that in any way, shape or form hounds people, pounds people and really makes them feel less than the way God looks at them and says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So next episode, we'll be looking at how Satan tries to defeat the church. And this is really a partner with this particular episode where when we look at it, we see how it's Satan that is behind this undermining and this confronting and this coming against us and trying to bring us down and to break into the church and to dismember it, to disembowel it and to break down the walls. Just as Jerusalem had those walls broken after they were exiled in Babylon and came back and they had to, with a lot of hard work, rebuild the walls so the enemies couldn't infiltrate. We too have got to be built up in our most holy faith, just as Jude says in that second last book of the New Testament. In fact, the whole Bible. So let us start praying for the church, your church, my church locally, the church of Jesus Christ, 
internationally, all around the world, that we will be the church that is indeed what Jesus wants us to be. And what's that? We are a witness. We are the light to the world. And the people, according to John 13, will know that we're disciples of Jesus because they will see the love that we have one for another. Thank you.